AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. In a season of chaos, the Crimson Tide are the conference. Constant excellence. Bama bludgeons the Buckeyes. And Saban steps past Paul Bryant with his seventh national championship. Yeah, here we go. Final seconds of the half, third and nine. Prescott flushed out of the pocket. Looking to run. Dak Prescott is in. Touchdown. Green Bay. Well, not real complicated up front. Grant inside the stripe. Behind the stripe, they say. So a three-point knockdown for KD. He's got 26. Following up on Bill O'Brien for a moment, yesterday he talked about the inconsistency of the offense, shouldered some of the blame for that. I'm wondering from your perspective for the team this year with the performance in general, is that more on the coaches? Is it on the players? A bit of both? Yeah, right now we're just really looking to put our best game out there against the Jets and look back the season after the season. Have you had any conversation with Robert Kraft this week about your future with the team? Yeah, I'm looking forward to working, getting ready for the Jets here. I'm so grateful to the coaches uh, that have been with us uh, for so many years. Also, all of the coaches that have been here for the years before um, that put up with my stuff and, and uh, found way, you know, to bring it to life daily and uh I have great gratitude for that. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, January 11th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7, Nick Saban is he the greatest American football coach ever? Packers at Cowboys, who you got Sunday? ATS. The Sun, should they consider trading Kevin Durant? Bill Belichick, what's next for him? He's currently having his press conference along with Robert Kraft, and I'm not sure who else is there, but I've only seen Belichick so far. That's currently underway in uh, New England right now. Pete Carroll, how interested should other organizations be, and what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup uh, on the uh, on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15, a Packers and Cowboys preview. Chris Krupp will join us from Fox 11 in Green Bay. Meanwhile, at 10-15, uh, that was 10-15. Um, distracted because Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft is now at the podium. i got to quit paying attention to this thing and concentrate on the show, right, Bob? All right, 10.30, interactive action, 602-260-1060, and also some local roundup, including time pending, some Suns and Lakers and ASU Washington basketball previews for tonight. 
Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by the latest line for the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. And then after the Sports Zone from 11 to 1 o'clock will be the Extra Point, hosted by Kale and Quitting More Phone Call Time at 602-260-1060. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, Nick Saban, is he the greatest American football coach, college or pro, in uh, in history? And uh, you know, Corey is here and has the early returns. Right now split even 50-50 on KDUS1060.com. Okay, Saban announced his retirement first up to his team on Wednesday, leaving with six national championships, including uh, directing longtime sleeping giant LSU to the 2003 national title, which to me might actually have been his greatest accomplishment. Meanwhile, today's ex-Twitter poll question is, who you got Sunday at Dallas? Cowboys minus 7.5 or the Packers plus 7.5? And, and uh, what do we have here, Corey? Leading right now, Cowboys minus 7.5, 72.2%. Packers plus 7.5 at 27.8%. Right now, KDUSAM 1060 on X. The Cowboys were the lone NFL team to win all their home games during the regular season. They've won 16 consecutive games at Jerry World since losing the 2002 opener to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Remember him? Uh, meanwhile, the Packers have won six of their last eight games. All right, on to the local front. Uh, Kevin Durant says he does not want to be traded. Uh, Durant on Wednesday said that he, uh, and, uh, he said that, and then he somewhat downplayed his frustration regarding the Suns' 19 and 18 start to the season. Should the Suns at least consider trading Kevin Durant? Spang the globe, back to football. Bill Belichick also moving on. Bill Belichick and the Patriots have mutually agreed to part ways after 24 seasons and six Super Bowl championships. What is the best landing spot for Bill Belichick? Um, and I'm assuming he wants to continue to coach. Uh, he might be saying that as we speak. Uh, big, uh, you know, to the, at least the part that I heard before we uh, I just started talking here. Uh, he did not talk about that part. I'm sure he'll be asked that during the uh, Q&A session, which is going to be probably more interested in uh, more interesting than the actual statement itself here. Pete Carroll, make no mistake here, he was fired. The Seahawks on Wednesday claimed that it was a mutual decision, but after Carroll's press conference, there is zero doubt that this was not his decision after 14 seasons in Seattle. So, how interested should other teams be uh, in, uh, in looking for a head coach? How, how interested should those teams uh, be interested in, in, in hiring one P. Carroll? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? I must say, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't remember too many 24-hour cycles like the one we've just gone through. Uh, you know, I didn't even include some things. and. There are some days, I must admit, where I'm wondering, how can I come up with five pipeline questions? Uh, today, we have five pipeline questions that could have all been in some shape or form a poll question. So, quite the last 24 hours. Uh, that's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. 
Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. Also, if you'd like to participate, you can tweet the show, if that's what it's still called, at kdus1060.com or x slash twitter dot com, kdus1060 dot kdusam1060. I'm never going to get this right, ever. Uh, but we'll try to do better tomorrow which I have not done particularly well the first four days of this week. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you uh, violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. I'm just checking here. I think that after Belichick and Robert Kraft talked, that they might have left the podium and left the room without taking questions? Is that possible? Okay, well, looks, uh, like I said, it's, uh, I'm on the air here. I'm just trying to you know, figure out what's going on. I think that happened because I'm just checking NFL Network and also ESPN who were carrying the uh, first part of the press conference live, and that might have been the only part of the press conference. Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, double check, see if we can get more on that during the upcoming break. All right, coming up next, Corey, we have a news update. That'll be followed by a Packers-Cowboys preview with Chris Krupp of Fox 11 in Green Bay. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion. Do you want to jump aboard 602-260-1060? Also, we'll get to today's bottom line and also some local roundup time pending, depending on phone call volume. Uh, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Uh, we'll get to uh, the Packers and uh, the Cowboys in just a second. First up, uh, one of the disadvantages of doing this show sometimes when things are going on, uh, the Belichick and Robert Kraft press conference, as far as I can tell, was just a statement from Belichick, a statement uh, you know, from Robert Kraft, a few minutes for each and then no questions uh i think pretty sure um you know so that's uh where we stand with that i think uh meanwhile the packers back in the postseason seven and a half point underdogs on sunday at dallas off to the kdus hotline we go we're now joined the sports on by cody krupp of fox 11 in green bay and we appreciate the time cody i'm sure you're in hot demand all the time but especially this week with the packers back in the playoffs and uh, the packers finished the regular season nine and eight they started the season three and six was there a point in the season where you started to believe that they could be a playoff team I mean, I did, and then all of a sudden they went to New York, and they went, you know, against Tommy DeVito, and we saw what they did against them. So then <laughs> everything that they had built up until that point, it was like back to square one. It's like, all right, I know you're not, you're not mathematically eliminated, but if you're going to go get absolutely lit up by Tommy DeVito, then the next week Baker Mayfield, like it was just, it, it just felt like 
this point uh, that they're at right now was just never going to happen. Even though, like you said, there was some points where like, all right, you know, we're getting some, something together. Jordan Love's figuring it out. And as soon as he did, then the defense started to absolutely collapse. So there was, it's, it's absolutely been a roller coaster, but that's kind of been the last uh, two seasons, even when Rodgers was that quarterback as well. Okay, mention Jordan Love. His 32 touchdown passes, second most in the NFL to Dak Prescott's 36. In what area do you think Love has improved the most during the season? I think it's just taking care of the football, first of all. Like, in, you watch, like, you know, anybody who just watched him on a Sunday or even Monday, too, he just is, like, it, it looks like he's so quick in his decisions. The receivers have figured things out, too, and that, that helps with how fast he's making his decisions because his receivers are in the right spot. Um, so I think it, it, you know, it goes both ways. Like the receiver's growing and then love understanding more. Um, and I think that the, the like as far as Matt LaFleur, the, the head coach obviously does the play calling, and he, uh, he looked like he was so unsure of himself and his play calling. And that all went back to the receivers and Jordan Love being so young, these guys just not being on the same page. And once you saw Jordan Love like feel confidence that his receivers are going to be in the right spot. He's making the right decision, taking care of the football. And Matt Lafleur is all of a sudden like this is the this play calling guru that we, you know, when they won three thirteen or had thirteen win seasons three years in a row. Of course, they had had Rodgers at that point, so a lot of people didn't give Lafleur his credit. But the, the offense at times like looked so good during that point, and now all of a sudden Lafleur feels like he's like kind of back into his old uh, you know he's confident in his play calling because he can trust it's literally just a chain reaction you know that starts with the receivers first because you can't have a good quarterback without receivers being in the right spot and then obviously now Matt LaFleur is putting Jordan Love in good positions to make these good decisions so it's just been a I mean the confidence I, I wouldn't say he ever lacked confidence I think even at the beginning of the year at least if you ask him he'd, you know he's a confident guy very uh, humble though like that's that's one thing about him is he's such a good guy and that's been great to see because he really does fit that green bay culture the wisconsin culture but um yeah i think confidence obviously and then decision making you know it's just like it's it's all grown so much it's hard to pick one spot but he has been so good this year for the packers like above and beyond any expectations i think uh, any any uh reasonable packer fan could have coming into the season I promise I will get to Lafleur in the the receiver room here momentarily. But uh, first up, sure, if, yeah. if you're the Cowboys and if you're defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, what is your approach to defend Love and the Packers offense this week? Um, if you can shut down Aaron Jones, um, the last couple weeks uh, we've seen what Aaron Jones can do to the offense, how much it does open things up, and. It, like against the Bears, the best rush defense, you know, that's quote unquote or quotation marks, you know, but they technically are the best run defense in the league last week going into it. And you saw Aaron Jones just be able to just dominate the line of scrimmage. Well, that, that is goes back to the offensive line, which their play, I mean, I'm not keep trying to go around the circle, but the offensive line's play has been absolutely like lights out the last couple of weeks at least. And they're giving Aaron Jones running holes, that's setting things up. So, it's a simple part of the game, but if you, if you literally just make Jordan Love make tough decisions, don't give him the easy, you know, across the middle plays of J.D. Reed, those type of guys. Like, if you make him play quarterback, 
like without the other um, to have all those extra aspects, then I think like we've seen it at times. He gets he can get a little flustered. You know, it doesn't it hasn't happened a lot, but there is times where he has gotten flustered. And when they didn't have the run game at all, when Aaron Jones was hurt a lot of the year, that's some of the games that you know Jordan Love didn't play well. So I mean, Cowboy stopping Aaron Jones to me is way more important to their to trying to win than it is to stop Jordan Love because I think if you stop Jones there's a good chance you're going to you're at least going to slow down Jordan quite a bit. Okay, so what's been most surprising to you, the the way that Love has played or the maturation of this offensive line during the season which at least from afar and I'm from afar here seemed to be a little yep. bit in disarray after the Bakhtiari situation at the start of the season. Um you know, it's, you got to go back. Probably, I mean, Jordan. Jordan. I mean, no one expected Jordan to to be, you know, second in the NFL in touchdown passes. I mean, that that's got to be the number one surprise. All the expectation, you know, are all the uh, I, don't, I don't know, you know, the build up to this Jordan Love era. You know, all the years of waiting, and for him to take this moment and run with it, and you know, continue to build his future stock as far as how much money he's going to make here in the future. That's got to be the number one surprise. I mean, that's just to any casual football fan. They're going to notice the quarterback, of course, first over the offensive line. But, yeah, that cannot take away from the offensive line. Like you said, when Bakhtiari went out, um, I think there was a, a little bit more confidence that they could still figure it out because Bakhtiari has not been in the picture the whole year before that pretty much as well. Um, you know, it, it, we, we've seen them work without Bach. Has it been always great without Bach? No. But is he, was he replaceable? I think we've seen that, which is kind of, kind of, you know, not, I mean, not great for Bach. You know, his future with the Packers, I don't believe it is in Green Bay. But um, they've done it without Bach before, whereas in they've never done it without Rodgers, you know, 17 years. And for Jordan Love to go in and play like that, that has to be the number one surprise. But you mentioned it earlier. I think, um, honestly, in my opinion, the receivers are the biggest surprise of all of them. But you know, I, I don't want to you know keep uh, shouting them out without uh, unsolicited. That's where I'm going next. They're talking with Cody Krupp from yeah, Fox yeah, 11 in Green Bay. Yeah, you did a fine job there. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you very much. Uh, so it's a young receiver group. Uh, you know, how has this group improved this quickly? Um, I think they're just they, – they got that it factor. Like, I really think it's just – give credit to Gutekunst, the general manager, for finding these guys. Like, Damian Wicks, the fifth rounder, absolutely a steal. Jaden Reed is the rookie record holder, franchise record holder in receptions already. Uh, it, they're just like they're, – they're ballers, essentially. Like, they just are so quick, so uh, – that, that, that quick twitch. Like, with Wicks, it's – He's been already compared here, like asked by some of the the longtime beat writers to Lafleur, like how like they see the comparison in Devontae Adams when he was younger. Mm. It's just like mm. that is such high praise for like how how high Devontae Adams still is seen around Green Bay for his time here, like his ability, it, which didn't show right away even as a rookie. Like you're saying, like Wicks and Reed are are night and day better than Devontae Adams was, at least his first two years in Green Bay. So that's just, you know, when you're comparing apples to apples, like that is just a crazy comparison to already make. Um, and it's the other receivers that are just like, where where'd you come from? I remember like Bull Melton, it was against Tampa Bay. All yeah. of a sudden, 
you look in the backfield, they're in the red zone, and Bo Melton, he's out there at like a running back position or like in the backfield, and we're all looking at each other like, when did Bo Melton, like where the heck did Bo Melton come from? Like a name that hadn't <laughs> been talked about all year, and then all of a sudden, you know, has the first 100-yard reception game for a Packer this year. Um, that was against the Vikings last week. I know his numbers, I think he was third in, recep- or third in receiving yards, but the, if you watch play-by-play play of his receptions, they were they were just fantastic. Like the way he has no fear. His you know his uh, um, well actually Britsker for the Chicago Bears made a comment about how um, the Packers wide receivers kind of give this cocky swag or whatever. They're always trying to like you know pull face masks or whatever he said to like co- co- <clears throat> to cause like a to cause you know penalties and stuff to try to get the other side riled up. And that's I mean I I love that. I think that's just these are rookie guys that are literally, you know, they have no name for themselves before this. They, you know, not necessarily reason to go out and have that, you know, that uh, swag or that um, that fire to them like they do. And they're 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 a, uh, an energy bunny. What do they call that? Energy bunny or like what? The energizer yeah. bunny. Like that's literally what they are. And it's just it's so cool to see their maturation because going into the year, everyone's like, is this? How is this even okay that the Packers are going? into this season with the roster at wide receiver that they had. You're like, no, like this can't be, this isn't going to compete. You know, you have rookies and nobody over a second year wide receiver on this entire roster. They're worth like $7 million total. The guy we got rid of, (laughs) Alan Lazard, is worth like $15 million in himself um, with the Jets now. So it's just, it's, it's really insane how well they have done and that, I mean, you got to give credit to the scouting department for finding these guys because you know, it, it it wasn't there at first. Like their their knowledge of the play calling system, or their knowledge of the plays, and being in the right spot and being confident that they're in the right spot. But it has just come around. So also give credit, you know, the receiving coaching for that too. Like it's just um, they are a special, special, special group, and they're here for you know, like just like Jordan, they're they're going to well, hopefully Packers do lock up Jordan long term, but they're here for a long time, and it's uh, regardless of what happens on Sunday. The future is bright for the Packers. I don't think. I think most Packer fans are just so ha- happy to be at this point, to be so okay with where the direction of this team is headed. That Sunday is just like a little, like a little extra credit or a little like cherry on top to this season that's already been successful in most people's minds. Okay, back to Lafleur. How is the quarterback change from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love changed him and altered him as a head coach and/or play caller? I think it's gotten him a lot more respect in the NFL. Um, I, it, I think he 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 was a good coach. No, you know, no one would say he was a bad coach, but to be considered in the upper echelon of NFL coaches, I don't think that before, even though you have three thirteen win seasons followed up by Rodgers last year where they didn't make the playoffs. But um, I don't think a ton of people, and then, you know, this is being, you know, here too, this isn't the outside perspective, but in my perspective, he wasn't seen as like an upper echelon of an NFL coach um, mm-hmm. because he was grandfathered in to the, the old regime, the old, uh, you know, the old roster we had and a, a team that wins every year with him or with him or without him. Um, this year, though, his reputation, I think, has completely changed. There was a time where Packer fans were, when the Packers were 2-6, and six, 
uh, Packer fans were like, you know, is this, we should get rid of Lafleur. And I was never one. I was like, you guys hold up. You know, no matter what happens, Lafleur is going to be back next year. Like that isn't even going to be in a conversation. But it's gone from that conversation for people to now like we have one of the best coaches in the NFL because of the job he has done. So I think his own personal um, reputation has taken probably just as much of a jump as a Jordan Love or as the receivers or as the linemen. They're all like kind of grouped in together, but LaFleur's respect, I think, has uh, taken another level this year, at least locally. Um, his perspective or his uh, the outlook fans have of the job he's done, which I think some were very unfair for a little while on um, the way the Packers were playing. Then again, how much could you blame him when at that time – you see the roster they have. You knew that there was just so much that they were missing that how can any coach come in here and do any better than what LaFleur was doing at that point? Okay, so we've covered a lot of the good. Uh, the Packers' defense has had some issues. Uh, how would you evaluate that side of the ball? Um, that's another one. Joe Barry, defense coordinator. Um, it was probably four weeks, five weeks ago where I would have said – you know, guaranteed coming back next year. The defense wasn't, never was lights out, never played fantastic, but they, they weren't bad. They weren't the reason why the Packers were losing games in the middle of the season, um, beginning of the season. They were, they were, they, they, they were okay. Like, they weren't like, uh, nobody was hooting and hollering that it was the defense's fault. But then all of a sudden, things took like a drastic, drastic change. Like, it was from one. It was literally like one day where I felt like no matter what, like Barry's going to be back, he's done enough, the defense has done okay enough, to all of a sudden he needs to be fired. It was the talk all around here, like Barry's got to go, Barry's, Barry's got to go, Barry's got to go. And I'm not going to say he saved his job the last couple weeks, um, but the defense has stepped up since you saw, like, you know, almost giving up the, the lead late against Carolina. That was kind of the mm-hmm. – um, you know, the end, or like where it really got bad there for a second when you, you have the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, driving down and making you guys look silly when you have a lead going in the, in the second half. It was, you know, there was a lot of frustrated people that they've seen this offense's growth, and then you see the defense just absolutely uh, just let them down. But the last two weeks, they've done a good job. You know, it's the Bears and the Vikings. So it's two different worlds than they're going to be in Jerry's world on Sunday. It's just, you know, I don't see them. I don't see them being overly good um, against the Cowboys. And that could be, you know, that'll probably what undoes them or what ends this season is um, the performance on Sunday of the, of the defense defense. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. They have the youngest roster in the postseason. Uh, how might that inexperience factor into the game against Dallas on Sunday? I kind of looked at it like the season finale. A lot of people try to compare the 2012 season finale, or I don't know how you, you know what I mean, the 2022-2023 season that when mm-hmm. the Packers played the Lions, there was this, you know, they, they, they let it down. That last game was a letdown against the Lions to get the playoffs. And then you have this year, same exact situation. And I looked at it like these young guys, they they weren't here last year. They they didn't they weren't part of any of that, and they they don't have like uh, 
uh, how do you word it? They don't have – it's kind of house money. It was like go out there, play loose. You don't have that pressure. It, was, it didn't feel like last year was like – when it was the case last year, it felt like the end of the era of Aaron Rodgers, the end of this Packers era. You didn't know at all what was going to happen in the future. You were worried about, you know, was Rodgers going to come back? How was – you know, who, who were they going to bring back? Like wh- who's going to play receiver for them? All these question marks were going into last year's offseason. There was that pressure – final week of the year to get in the playoffs because you didn't know what the future was going to be. Then one year later, it kind of was a totally different situation, but the same situation where they have to, yes, they got to win to get in the playoffs, but at the same time, as there was, oh, there's such a belief that they have figured that they have made the right decisions of who is in that room, that there wasn't that pressure to go out and win, that we, the Packers are going to be okay the next five, ten years. No one had that worry. Go out there, play loose, see what happens, and they got it done. And I don't see why they should change. Like, the, the kind of the mantra around the locker room this week has been, if it's not broke, don't fix it, and it's not broken right now. Um, they're, they're, what they're doing is working. I don't know if it's, they're just young and don't, you know, overthink the moment, but whatever they're doing, however they're, like, preparing is how they're going to do it again, and they've been in this situation now three straight weeks, essentially. Carolina, you had to win. I know you would have technically, the Packers would have been mathematically still eligible if they had lost that game. But essentially since Christmas Eve, you're talking that they have been in the same exact situation where they needed to win, and they haven't let, they, there's been no letdown. They all, each week, they've showed up, and they don't look like the youngest team since forever. I forgot what the <laughs> statistic is, but it's ridiculous how young this team is, like you had mentioned. Okay, so last up, uh, do the Packers win on Sunday, or do they at least cover the seven and a half points, which seems to be the almost universal point spread around the world? Um, uh, I don't think they win. No, I do not think they win. Uh, I don't think they cover as well, unfortunately. Um, I think if they do win, that'll be the only way they cover. I don't see this being uh, a close game within one or two scores down the stretch. Or within a score, you know, I don't, which has been kind of every single game the Packers are in. So, you know, if you're going to look at trends, the Packers have had the ball late with a chance to to tie or win, and they've also in a lot of games they've had um, they've had the ball they've gone up late in a game where they've been the ones to take the lead and then they've given it up late. I don't necessarily see that being the case. I see Packers either getting the win or getting blown out. So I don't see that cover. I, I, I wouldn't put my money anywhere near the spread on that one, but I, the money line, I, I think Cowboys will get the job done. Um, I, in my opinion, probably be like 10, 14. I think it might get away from the Packers. I don't think their defense has played any team to that level in a long time on offensive side of the football. You know, between Tampa, Carolina, uh, New York, the Vikings, Chicago, they've made some of those teams look like they could be the Cowboys' level of talent, but they aren't those talented level. And the Packers, yes, they've done okay, but this is a whole other whole other world on Sunday. And like I said, though, people are still happy. Like, it's not – it won't be the world falling mm-hmm. apart if the Packers do lose on Sunday in Green Bay. Cody, this has been great. I appreciate the time. Thanks, and have fun. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You guys enjoy the warm. It's really cold here this week. Hey, it's like 30 degrees here. People are in a panic, including me.
So there we go. Oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah, next, next week, Monday, it's a uh, high of one degree yeah. and low of yeah. eight degrees on Monday. So I, I lived yeah, in Chicago for a few. Yeah, I lived in Chicago for a while. I understand, uh, you know, I'm talking, you know, what, what am I saying here, right? <laughs> so, so thanks for no, the time. And uh, We have been spoiled, though. Yep. That, that's true. Yeah, have fun and stay warm. There you go. Thanks. Thank you, sir. You guys have a good one. You too. Cody Krupp of Fox 11 in Green Bay. Uh, next segment, phone call time. You want to jump aboard general discussion? It's been an interesting last 24 hours of sports, needless to say. 602 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. Also time pending in the next segment. We might get to some local roundup, get the little bottom line for some of the pipeline questions from today that we will not answer because uh, we'll answer the poll questions today. In uh, the uh, extra point hosted by Kayla, of course, the extra point hosted by Kayla from 11 to 1 o'clock. We'll answer the poll questions at around 12.30 today. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, we have some uh, open uh, you know, phone lines and some room and time for you in this segment. If you want to jump aboard right now, 602-260-1060. First up, the bottom line. Some answers from today's pipeline questions. Of course, the poll questions uh, today we will answer during the bottom line, hosted by Kayla around 1230 today. Uh, the bottom line from 11 to 1 o'clock. The KDUS poll question today is Nick Saban, the greatest football coach, college or pro in American sports history. And also our Twitter uh, ex-Twitter poll question today. Who you got Sunday in Dallas? The Cowboys uh, minus seven and a half, or the uh, the Packers plus seven and a half. Also, uh, as I mentioned, we'll answer those questions at around twelve thirty today during the extra point hosted by Caleb. Here's the bottom line for the rest of today's pipeline questions. First up, should the Suns consider trading Kevin Durant? And the bottom line is, if the Suns are being realistic, they would understand that this roster is not likely to make a postseason run. I'm not even sure they're going to win a postseason series. I'm not even sure they're going to make the postseason uh, at 19 and 18 right now. If the Suns uh, organization was smart enough to realize that, they should trade Kevin Durant uh, to a team, a uh, contending team that would be willing to uh, you know, give the Suns uh, you know, some veteran players plus some draft capital. I don't really know who that team would be, quite frankly. I'm sure there's some teams out there that would qualify. I just don't, you know, I haven't had time. There's a lot going on here in the last 24 hours, and I haven't time to have time to figure that part out. But the trade deadline in the NBA, I believe, is sometime in the first week of February or so. And uh, certainly we'll have some time to figure out what's going on with the Suns in more detail before then. Meanwhile, uh, what's the best landing spot for Bill Belichick, uh, assuming he wants to continue to coach? And based on what I just heard from Robert Kraft today, uh, part of the uh, press conference that he and Belichick had without answering any questions with the media uh, was that uh, you know he's going to root for Bill Belichick, Kraft is, moving forward, unless uh, except when he plays against the Patriots. So it tells me that you know, that confirms the uh, long, you know, widespread suspicion that Belichick's going to continue. So 
Of the jobs currently available, I think the Falcons are the best fit for him. The organization has stable ownership, a roster with multiple good players. The Falcons obviously need a different quarterback, and almost anybody would be a better head coach than Arthur Smith. Meanwhile, last uh, question today uh, from the pipeline that uh, we'll answer right now. How interested should other teams be looking for a head coach? Uh, uh, that uh, that looking for a head coach? How where where should should Pete Carroll be at the top of their wish list? I think this question is a little more difficult than it might seem. I don't really care about Carroll's age. I mean, he's the most energetic seventy-two year old. I think he's seventy-two uh, that I maybe have ever seen. But I do. Uh, I don't think that he's a candidate for every job. Of the current openings, the Chargers might be the best. Obviously, as history in Southern California, uh, Carroll does. Also, they have the Justin Herbert quarterback. But the the Chargers organization is currently in salary cap hell. They have a high, highly questionable roster, and they play in Southern California and Los Angeles where the Rams are way up here on the totem pole. I'm you know, lifting my arm as high as it can go. And then the, the Chargers are way down here, and I'm going underneath my table uh, with my arm right now. All right, that's the bottom line for today. If you want to get in, 602-260-1060. The Sun, Southern California uh, journey continues tonight against the Clippers. Yeah, which team is uh, you know, which is which team is worse? I'm not joking here. Which is a, a, certainly a, a question I did not anticipate to be asking. Less than uh, halfway, roughly about halfway through the season in the NBA, the Suns are 19 and 18. They're ninth in the Western Conference. The Lakers are 18 and 19. They are tenth in the Western Conference. Uh, one difference is the Lakers have been good against the Pacific Division. Five and two against division opponents. The Suns are three and seven against division opponents so far this season. Knights, surprisingly, neither team playing very well of late. The Suns have split their last 10 games. They've averaged 116.3 points per game over that span, shot 50% from the field. However, their opponents have averaged more points per game, 116 and a half points per game. Just you know, just a you know, couple fractions of a you know tenth tenth you know, tenth of points more per game, but they've averaged. Not surprisingly, they've allowed more than they scored. Meanwhile, the Lakers have been worse in the last ten games. They're three and seven. Seem to be an organization in disarray. The Lakers in the last ten have averaged 112.6 points per game, but they've allowed 117.7. Meanwhile, ASU has uh, been the opposite of the Suns. Bobby Hurley's team is a somewhat surprising 4-0 to begin the Pac-12 season. The first two wins were second-half rallies at Stanford and Cal. The last two wins at home last week against a very overrated by the metrics community, at least, Utah, and a shorthanded Colorado team. Uh, Tonight, nobody knows what to expect from Washington. I'm guessing that uh, Washington may not know what to expect from Washington. They do have a home win over what is now seemingly a disappointing Gonzaga team. And uh, the Huskies are also 1-3 in their Pac-12 games to start the season. The Sun Devils have been a really good team on the road in conference play. They've won 10 of their last 14 in conference play going back to last season. And uh, they are 4-0, only the fourth 4-0 Pac-12 team for ASU in their history. Uh, going back to last week, they might have actually played their best game of the season when they beat Utah a week ago tonight. 
82-70. Uh, uh, and uh, that was a Jose Perez game, 26 points. And uh, he was four out of five from behind the arc. Frankie Collins had 19 points and three steals in that game. Two days later, ASU completed the sweep of the Rocky Mountain Schools, defeated the, or we should just say the Mountain Schools, I guess is the right term. Uh, they beat uh, you know Colorado. That's the first time they've swept uh, Colorado and Utah since the 2013 and 14 season. They beat Colorado last Saturday night, 76-73. Uh, Jemiah Neal led the way in that game with 19 points, and uh, Adam Miller, the transfer, added ni- uh, 18 points in that game. So they're four and zero for just the uh, fourth time in conference play in program history. Uh, Pac-12, I should say. They used to be. They've been four and zero in the pack when they were in the whack back in the day. But uh, they're doing quite well, needless to say. Much to the surprise of many, and I'm raising my hand one more time. You have to take uh, take my word on all these uh, physical gyrations I'm going through now. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's sports sum with the national roundup. That will include, uh, depending on how much time I can jam in here. A little from the basketball scoreboard, but mainly I want to get to the uh, NFL Super Wild Card uh, point spreads for the upcoming uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday games in uh, Week One of the playoffs in the NFL. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and K, uh, KSLX HD 2 100.7. On to the Super Wild Card round we go. And uh, not as much uh, change in the point spreads in the last uh, 24 hours as we had from Tuesday to Wednesday. But uh, quickly, let's go through these updated numbers. I'm going to go with the consensus Nevada numbers here. Uh, the uh, the Browns still two and a half point favorites at Houston on Saturday. Total in that game, 44 and a half. One game that uh, kind of has, has changed to some extent. Uh, there are four and a halves now pretty much everywhere. As far as Miami at Kansas City, there were some. Th- the opening number was three and a half back on Sunday. Yes, yeah, Sunday, and it uh, went to it was pretty much four everywhere pretty quickly after that. But I don't see anything other than four and a half at this point, as far as that game goes. Uh, on to Sunday's games: Buffalo hosting Pittsburgh. This game's been pretty much sitting at ten all along. It opened at ten, pretty much at ten now. The total. Uh, has gone from 41 and a half to 36, and that's largely because of some you know, forecast horrendous weather in Buffalo this weekend. In fact, there are th- some 35 and a halves popping up as far as the total in the state of Nevada right now. Meanwhile, as far as the game, second game on Sunday, Green Bay and Dallas, we just previewed that in the last segment. And uh, I did see, you know, it was seven and a half pretty much everywhere this morning. I now see a couple of eights at least in Nevada. So there's been some more some more action on the Cowboys here in the last few hours. But uh, the opening number is 7.5, pretty much 7.5 uh, in most places. But as I mentioned, at least a couple of eights popping up in Nevada today. Uh, Sunday night, uh, it's the Rams against Detroit. And Detroit a three-point favorite in this game. Luckily, uh, hopefully luckily, but at least strategically, Earlier in the week, I did scoop up a three and a half, and I'm on the Rams plus three and a half in this game. Uh, pretty much three everywhere now. 
Uh, the total in this game opened 51.5 and, and really has not budged from that at any point to my knowledge this week. And then the Monday night game, Philadelphia is at Tampa Bay. Uh, Philadelphia struggling down the stretch, opened a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That game up to three at this point, and uh, pretty much universally is that three number. And uh, I will be on Tampa Bay in this game, and I'll just uh, see how it goes. And uh, I think Tampa Bay, believe it or not, I can't believe anybody would say this, but at least right now, based on playing recent weeks, uh, it's uh, really difficult to make a case that Baker Mayfield has been a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts down the stretch. All right, a couple other quick things here. College basketball last night, a couple more upsets. So four of the top five teams in college basketball have lost the last two nights. Kansas, uh, number three, lost last night against Central Florida. Central Florida coached by Johnny Dawkins. Uh, but uh, Kansas loses that game last night. Uh, Central Florida was actually behind 16 points in the first half of this game. They went on a 10 nothing run to end the first half and then uh, went on a you know eight-point surge to start the second half. So they win that game. Kansas, uh, 18 turnovers in the game, ended up scoring just 60 points. They were averaging 79.9 points per game. Final score is 65-60 to 60 in this game last night. And Kansas uh, is going to get you know, their next game. This is another difficult game. They play Oklahoma on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday. Uh, OU, OU lost last night at TCU, by the way. And also ten, Tennessee last night, number four in the country, they lost. Uh, they lost uh, at Mississippi State, a team that uh, ASU lost to to begin the season. Uh, Kansas, excuse me, uh, Tennessee loses that game at Mississippi State 77-72 last night. And uh, Tennessee's first loss to an unranked team this season. Uh, they had won nine of the last ten meetings against Mississippi State, but they obviously fell last night. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. Stay tuned. The Extra Point hosted by Kayla coming up next. Plenty more, I'm sure, on the Bill Belichick uh um, leaving New England thing, which was uh, the quickest press conference of all time. And more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.